Welcome to the smartest doctor in the room with your host, Dr. Dean Mitchell, interviewing the leading doctors in the country to get insights into the best medical treatments available today. Not everyone has access to the best specialists, but you can advocate for yourself and learn the right questions to ask your doctor and the best possible treatment options. Remember, what you know can make a difference in your health care. Welcome to the Smartest Doctor in the Room podcast. I'm Dr. Dean Mitchell, and I'm very excited because this is actually our first podcast, and I hope one of many, where we're going to interview some of the best and interesting doctors in the country. Today, I'm fortunate to have a well-known integrated physician here in Manhattan, Dr. Dana Cohn, who is a colleague and also I consider a friend. She's actually the medical director at Complete Wellness. She's a former board of directors at the American College of Environmental Medicine. And most excitingly, this past spring or summer, her book came out called Quench, which was reviewed in the New York Times by Dr. Jane Brody in her personal health column. And that's actually quite an accomplishment. I think every physician writer is always hoping you know, to make that accolade. So Dana, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Happy New Year. You too. It's such a pleasure. You know, I'd like to get started before we get into more things about the book and certain things and aspects of, of your practice. I like to always know from physicians what actually brought you to the area of integrative medicine, or sometimes as we use call it complementary or alternative medicine. I, I know you did basic standard internal medicine training, I believe, up in Albany. Yes. And then I guess did you come to Manhattan to start practicing or I did. So I come from a family I'm the first one to even graduate college in oh. my family. And I just kept going and I have no background in integrative medicine Mm -hmm. or even truly a healthy lifestyle. My father died at 62 of diabetes. We didn't particularly, I didn't know a lot about it growing up. I was a little disillusioned in medicine as I was finishing up residency. Mm -hmm. The truth is I was $200,000 in debt and Mm. you can't turn back at that point. So I'm starting to look for jobs and I saw an ad for a world-renowned wellness center in New York City. Mm. (laughs) And it just spoke to me and I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. I had visions of it being a big spa. (laughs) I worked worked in a hair salon all throughout college and high school. Oh, wow. Support yourself. Wow. Support myself. I was always a receptionist. I loved the idea of like a spa environment. Mm -hmm. So that's what I thought. I applied for the job. And when the, when they called back, it was a headhunter, and she said, well, it's for Dr. Atkins. And I was mm. like, oh, that's interesting. I happened to be on the Atkins diet at the time, which was uh, interesting in and of itself because we were a bunch of residents were walking around the hospital with pepperoni and cheese in our pockets. Um, <laughs> that's what we can afford. <laughs> yes, but doing the Atkins diet. Oh, okay. And never, like, I couldn't believe how great I felt, you know, mm. so it really made a huge difference for mm. me, you know, energy, losing weight, feeling great. And so I went and and had the interview and ended up taking the job. And he changed the way I thought about medicine. Hmm. And I thank God for him. You know, it's interesting because uh, what I know of Dr. Atkins is interesting. He trained at the same hospital where I did, I think at St. Louis Roosevelt, I believe in cardiology. And, you know, when you hear so many things about him in some ways, incredibly innovative, very bold, willing to take risks and chances yet has that standard training that people could respect. So I'm just curious, you know, what you thought of working in the practice and working with him. Did he open your eyes to treatments and things that you would never consider before? Yeah. So first of all, 
one of the most fearless human beings I've ever met in my life. Mm. I wish I had 10% of that. Uh, I wish anybody would have 10% Mm. of what he had. It's really an incredible gift that he had. He was completely fearless Mm. and he was brilliant. A lot of people don't realize how, how brilliant he really was. So the truth was, when I first started there, I fought him every day Hmm. for six months. What are you talking about? What is this intravenous chelation and vitamin C? Mm -hmm. Where are the studies? What are you doing with these people? And I fought him every day. And he'd sit there and and one day he said, do me a favor, go downstairs. He had a whole floor of IVs, IV vitamin C drips Mm -hmm. and chelation. I want you to go down. I want you to spend the afternoon and I want you to speak to every patient sitting Mm -hmm. in that chair. That's a great way, right. And I would speak to this patient who had metastatic colon cancer, Mm -hmm. you know, given six months to live 10 years ago. Wow. And it was story after story after Mm -hmm. story like that. I I had a guy, I'll never forget it. I had a guy who was, you know, probably 75 years old, had unstable angina. So he had you know, chest pain, mm-hmm. that he was not a candidate for surgery. There were He was on maximized medicine. Mm-hmm. Nobody could help him. There was nothing he could do. So he came to Dr. Atkins, started to get in chelation. This was now probably his maybe 15th or 20th chelation, right. and his angina was gone. So I heard story after story, literally mir- miracles. <laughs> you know, you bring out something that I think is so important. You know, I do IVs in my office as well, and it's funny because we have a, quote, drip room. And what I find, it's amazing, like when we have a few patients getting the treatment at the same time, there's a certain camaraderie. They yeah. share their stories. Mm-hmm. They One encourages the other one. Yeah. It's actually a beautiful thing. And, you know, because so much time in medicine, we're isolated or we're alone. And you think, you know, God forbid, if you're getting chemotherapy, I'm alone. They put you in a room by yourself. Yeah. And I think it puts the weight on the, the patient. But whereas when you're in a group, and again, these studies have shown this too, even people that are cancer survivors or undergoing treatment, when they meet in a group, the power of the group improves their outcome. Yeah. Which, you know. It's sort of my dream. He had yeah. he had a huge IV room. Oh. There were probably 25 <laughs> chairs or something oh, wow. like that. And it literally <laughs> was- a corner in my office. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. I have two in my office, two chairs. But it was a, it was a party. You go down there, people are eating yeah. their lunch. It was a yeah. party. The nurses are cracking up. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, a, it was a, yeah, an incredible environment. And yeah, I think that definitely makes a difference in people's healing. I want to ask you one more thing about Atkins, and obviously want to move on to yeah. more about you. But being that he was, I guess what we'd call an innovator or pioneer, when I went out to train with Dean Ornish in the 1990s, and he was doing the, the opposite of Atkins, yes. the low-fat diet, but he was doing a lot of really interesting things. And I saw, again, people you know, reversing heart disease, which changed you know, the course of my practice. But he had the, this funny saying, he goes, you know, you can always tell the pioneer in medicine, he's got the arrows sticking out of his back. <laughs> oh. And so I, I know even you know, at the yeah. times they try to shut down Atkins or, yeah. you know, I mean, how did, I was just curious, as an upfront close, how do you saw that he handled those things? Because that's always the hardest thing about it as a doctor, taking that risk, doing something new. Yeah. So that's exactly, exactly what I was talking about. He was fearless. I mean, mm. if the AMA came, the American Medical Association came after me, I would mm. crumble. Yeah, you right, know? right. You're he he <laughs> stuck the his feet in. <laughs> And, you know, and it made him, I mean, you know, there's this saying that people have to, you know, you have to stand up for what you believe in in this world. And it may be controversial. And when you do, um, your life will change for the better. And and I think it did. I mean, he was unbelievably successful. And I have to tell you, once again, I saw saw miracles every single day there. He helped a ton of people. A lot of people don't realize is that center Mm. was about 5% weight loss. Right. 95%. That's what I had heard later on, which is really interesting, right? Because you really associate it with weight loss. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up something also interesting that I think our listeners, I think, should really learn and understand. 
Now, sometimes they're very frustrated when they visit the holistic doctors, which they love what the treatment they get. And they say, oh, God, why isn't this covered by insurance? Mm. You know, why do I have to pay it out of pocket? And of course, we hate that that has to be done. But I think that uh, in so many cases, because it's a little bit ahead of its time, yeah. the insurance companies are really lagging, looking not to pay. And you can't really have a doctor say to you, oh, um, I can't give you this treatment because the insurance doesn't cover it. I, should, I don't think that should discourage a patient. I think, would you agree? It's Yeah, I I wish it were different. Of course I do. The thing is, I think with the type of medicine that we practice, Mm. so much is educating patients. Right. And I think that that's something that insurance hasn't caught up Mm. with yet, which is a real problem. Right. They could save so much money if they had a doctor that could spend that kind of time, do the proper evaluation, offer things that are potentially less toxic and safer. Yeah. 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 And I try to tell patients, you know, you're getting an education. Mm. You know, I think think when you start to think about it in that different way, things maybe switch a little bit in your mind. Thank you for that insight. I was just always curious. I love talking about it. He's kind of like a mythical figure. He was larger than life, I do have to say. He was a character. I adored him. It's funny. One last thing. My my nurse, who's been with me now for like 24 years, she worked for him for several years. Uh, Mildred. I don't know if if she was there when you were there. But she said he had this beautiful art collection. <laughs> oh, he was a, he was, a, he was oh, like a, I was in Italy recently uh, in Florence. Okay, at the, I'm, I'm going to forget the name of the museum. It's the one that has David, whatever that big oh. museum is. But there is a donation of oh, Dr. Really? Atkins in that museum. Wow. Yeah, he was yeah. a huge art collector. It's interesting. Some of these guys really know <laughs> know a lot about everything. Yeah. All right, let's go on to your book, which I found fascinating. I'm going to tell you why. And actually, especially even on the second reading, because, you know, I, I met with you in July. I had just read it. I was really excited as soon as I heard it was coming out. And then now, obviously, before the podcast, I wanted to brush up like a good medical student. <laughs> and it's funny. What I love on the, the cover, it says, you know, eight glasses a day is not the way. And I think that captures people's attention because what do you mean? Everybody's supposed to drink eight glasses of water a day. And what you go into the book is obviously there's really more to it. And, you know, one of the funny things, too, I like to share, and I, I sometimes do this with my patients, too. You know, I'll never forget, because I guess obviously it's such a dramatic thing, you know, in, in your medical career, the first day of medical school. I'll never forget it. I was sitting, all of us showed up right on time for classes, you know, sitting, you know, diligently waiting for the doctor to come in and give our first lecture. And the first lecture was what's called the physiology class. As you know, it's, it has to do with metabolism in the body. And the first lecture was on hydration. It was about how sodium has to move into the cells and the potassium was out of the cells. And for all our listeners, you say, whoa, this sounds a little boring. You know, at the time, I thought it was a little boring until the, the professor got my attention. He said, you know, you future doctors, you better understand this because if you make a mistake in doing an IV and using the wrong solution, because you could kill somebody. So all of a sudden we were at attention and studying and putting our notes in. But then for the next Three to four years. I never heard one more thing about hydration. No, no. And the next time I, I really thought about it again was, again, my first few weeks of internal medicine residency here in New York. And all of a sudden now I was giving IV solutions to AIDS patients, heart failure patients, you know, depending on what their illness was, that I had to really determine the appropriate hydration with salt and, and other yeah. ingredients and sugar. And then I'm embarrassed to say, I have not thought about hydration a lot for patients. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why I think your book is so important because as you're saying, educating patients, and we're both dealing a lot with diet and you know eating well, but 
This yeah. is critical. So I wanted to say the book yeah. is not about IV hydration. That's right. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> um, this is the book, maybe the next section. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'd have to brush off on okay. it too. But the book is really, it's written for the masses. Everybody's going to benefit from this book. Yeah. And I hate, I, I, you know, I don't want to tap myself on the no, back, but, but I really, true. and it's, it's just hydration is, Optimal hydration is the first step in 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 health. Sure, it's where we have to go. It's homeostasis. Uh, exactly, you know? and it's as you know, right? I mean, the, you know, our blood, uh, the circulation depends on how thick or thin, you know, how well it's hydrated. And, and just to give another example again, to, but I really want to get back to you know the everyday patient. But you know, you and I have seen the extremes when we worked in emergency rooms in our training. Yeah. I mean, when you saw a person, I saw both extremes. I saw when they were severely dehydrated from running a marathon in New York City because. Our hospital actually was like where a lot near the finish line in Central Park. Yeah. So we saw a lot of those cases brought to us. They were severely dehydrated. Mm-hmm. And we saw, we'll talk about this, some bizarre cases where people were fasting and doing unusual things, drinking too much water. Yep. And they got water intoxication, which, you know, you don't hear a lot about. I actually think it's more common than, than, people realize. than we think. Yeah. I see it. I see it often. I yeah. see low sodium levels mm. on people who are feeling fine. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them, how much are you drinking? And mm. they're like, oh, I drink like so liters. much. Yeah, yeah I drink so much water. They, don't, they walk around with that huge gallon. Yeah. They, you yeah. know, it's like a, they commit a commercial and out then, of it. And then ask them if they get charley horses or muscle cramps. And they're like, yeah, it's a huge yeah. problem. Yeah. Well, there's your answer. Well, this thing I want to get into about the symptoms, you know, which I thought were really important, which you bring out right away in the book. You know, first of all, fatigue, which is obviously a common thing a lot of people feel. But again, sometimes they just feel there's nothing they can do about it or maybe they're low in vitamins, not even realizing the first step. Is, is hydration. hydration. Yeah. So I thought that was really important. So think about how many people in the afternoon. I actually think that afternoon fatigue is mm. probably your first sign of mm. dehydration versus anything else, thirst or mm-hmm. anything. I think that, yeah. that that little dip in fatigue is more likely than anything a, a dehydration issue. Mm-hmm. And maybe instead of reaching for sugar mm-hmm. in the afternoon, it may not be a drop in blood sugar. It may just be dehydration. That's a great idea. Something, to yeah, really something that people should think about when they're at their office, yeah. you know, going on their breaks. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny because I've found over the years, that's why I'm, uh, I like drinking green tea and stuff. I like to have it by my desk, which I'm sipping throughout the day. I just find it helps keep my focus. I always thought it was a green tea, but it's probably, I'm sure the, the fluids there fluids, too. Yeah. They're helping. Yeah. You know, you're right. Because it's being in offices, it's, you know, most of our, listeners are, you know, you get dehydrated. And we'll talk about other aspects I want to get into about travel and other things like that, which is really important. You brought it in the book, which I think is so important. But the other things too, again, people tend to not even associate with dehydration or, you know, the need for water, lack of mental focus and poor mood. Yeah. So one of the first things that you're being evaluated for, let's say a concussion, like Mm. a a kid is being evaluated for a concussion. This is important for doctors to know too, because one of the first things with a concussion is bad cognition. Sure. You know, what's the word I'm looking for? No, you're right. They just, they they don't, they lose sense of where they are, you know, they're not, you know, they can't do the numbers, you know, subtracting, stuff like that. And so it's important to make sure that they are properly hydrated before you evaluate them for that concussion. Interesting. That I didn't know. And, you know, I use, you know, it's such an interesting thing that you need to think about. Um, And I think, you know, I think a lot of doctors would know that already, especially these kids that are playing football. I don't know. I think it's a good thing to really point out because most of the time they just, right now, they pull them to the side, you know, they put a finger in front of them. Do you see my finger? You know, and some basic things. But maybe, you know, just again, the brain needs a little fluid in there and maybe they'll perk up. First thing you need to do before you evaluate for concussion. You also mentioned here, Tommy, poor sleep and, and something else too, which I thought was very interesting about weight gain. Yeah. More of weight balance. I like to think about it. You know, I think being properly hydrated is not going to be a miracle weight loss. (laughs) 
However, there are studies, and we, we point them out, and there's some very good studies that, for one, one study that sticks out in my mind was drinking a glass of water before every meal, you'll lose five pounds doing nothing else. Now, when I read that, or I think when you mentioned something in your book, what I initially thought, and I think the conception before was, well, you know, you drink water, it fills you up, so you're kind of full, which probably is partially the case. But I think you brought up something else in the book, too, which is too, that it just helps your metabolism. Yeah. So I think those two things, you know, it's interesting. I'm curious your opinion on this, because I like to stop once in a while and to give you know, the listeners some really good pointers. I typically recommend to patients to drink actually a small amount of water with a, with a little bit of squeezed lemon about 15 minutes if they can or half hour before they eat because it seems to help the digestion process going. So they just, metab- you know, they yeah. digest their food better. Do you, yeah. are you agree with that? And I, and I also recommend that they actually don't drink during the meal if it's possible because, again, they're diluting the, the juices in the stomach that are trying to break down the food. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there is something to that about drinking with your meals whether it's also not only diluting the juices, I think it pushes food out of your stomach. So mm, it takes you longer to get, to, you know, to yeah. fill up your stomach. Yeah. You're, you're uh-huh. sort of moving things along yeah. prematurely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we do recommend a glass of water before. The the squeeze of lemon, I like that idea. I haven't I haven't really thought about that. We yeah. talk about the squeeze of lemon in the morning. Right. People like to put it in their water. I like it because, you know, again, and we'll get into this in a few minutes too about, you know, believe it or not, it actually alkalinizes in the body and... You know, obviously, all the antioxidants and stuff in it too. Minerals so, you're yeah. getting from, you yeah. know, you're definitely getting well, those you get into also about how it's important, even though you're just drinking plain water. You know, we're going to talk in a few minutes about minerals and salt, you know, putting the adding, you know, if you can, your own in. Yeah. Let's help the listeners also to kind of know, well, how do they know they're dehydrated? And you mentioned in the book a couple of ways, which I liked. You mentioned, obviously, looking at your urine. There's a caveat to that too. <laughs> okay. Our urine should be like a pale, straw colored right. urine. The caveat is unless you're taking B vitamins. Oh, yeah, that'll change it. I, I went into a panic one day like, what happened here? My, it looks like neon. A, right, I'm glowing. Yeah. So that's um, the B vitamins will change the color right. of your urine. So you can't use – if you're taking right. Bs, it's not going to mean anything. Right. Um, but, yeah, if your urine is darker, mm-hmm. co- Coca-Cola colored mm. or more orange, you're very concentrated. That's a – you know, it's a soft sign. Like you can definitely look at that. I think a really good thing to, to know – is that, you know, we're meant to to get up and pee every two or three hours during the day. And, you know, I know that there are days that I've sat in my seat and got patience and not peed all day for eight hours, yeah. you know, and that's not good. It's so funny you said that because I think for a while when I wasn't drinking as much during the day, I was like so proud of myself. Well, I got the whole day and, you know, I didn't even take a break, you know, like I'm <laughs> yeah. Mr. You know, Macho yeah. Man. And then I started obviously drinking a little more during the day, especially after reading your book. And then I'm going every two hours. I'm like, oh, no, I have to go to see the urologist. What is going on with me? Right. But if you read about it, you're right that, you know, your, your bladder only holds about, what yes. is it, like two cups of liquid, uh, you know, for those couple of hours. So it actually is good. And you're right. I like the way you put it. Like you should be feeling like you're flushing through your system. Yeah. So We tell a story in the book, which I love. You know, when you go on a plane and you're worried about having to interrupt the person next to you. <laughs> Don't because you're doing them a favor. You're making them get up and stand and That's move right. around. That's you right. Know, well, they don't think the that, shoulder. but you're right. <laughs> I always try to get the aisle seat. Really critical. <laughs> I, always say I, love the, I love the window. I don't care who I bother. <laughs> and I also like, you know, I have to give Dr. Oz credit for this one. I think he said once on his show, he goes, if you if you ever want to be sure about, you know, if your pee is light enough, he goes, take a newspaper and try to read the print behind it. I've never done that, but it sounds, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you take, you take a look, you know, obviously if it's clear enough, you'll be able to read the letters on the newspaper. Oh, oh okay. So I, I think he <laughs> made the point. And, yes. you know, you that or he knows I read in the bathroom, you know, one of those two <laughs> things. Okay. The other one I like you also that you do, and we used to do this all the time in the hospital, 
is pinching the skin. Can you yeah. explain that a little bit? I mean, it's it's also a soft sign if you're you know if your skin is sort of aged, it might not be the best mm. thing. But if you take if you take the top of your hand and mm. pinch it, mm. and it stays tented for too long, like mine's, I'm doing it right now. No, yours is good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I could see a little bit though. No, we, um, used, to, we so, used to see in the hospital. Unfortunately, when somebody's really yeah. dehydrated or older, it's, you do that thing, yeah. and then you, you could almost count the seconds till it went back down yeah. if it did it all. And yeah, that was it should plump right yeah, back down pretty yeah, quickly. That's, that's definitely a hydration test. So. I mean, once again, I just want to I want to just reiterate because I think one of the signs too is that that afternoon fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think to me is one of the biggest signs that you can look for the brain fog and the mm. fatigue. Think hydration. Yeah. First. I think that's a great um, idea. Constipation is another one. Mm. And they obviously could be some other other reasons for it, but those are, are some things to – this is a very simple thing to look for first. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you brought up something, too. I just wanted to mention to the listeners that there are certain times or places where the dehydration can really sneak up on you. One is air travel, which, mm-hmm. again, you and I see so many of our patients, I guess, in today's world are traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. The plane I look at as a very, unfortunately, a toxic environment. Yeah. You know, it's dehumidified, dry air, and the, you know, with the air pressure in the cabin, it's you're going like, to get dried out. It's like 2% humidity. That's, and then you know, people always wonder why when they get to their destination, yeah. why does their throat hurt? Why do they feel so lousy? You know? And yeah. so you can, I think, I, I think the two steps, like what you were mentioning, were that one, obviously hydrating and drinking while you're on the plane, even though you're going to have to get up and annoy your person yeah. to see, but also moving around, which you get to, we're going to talk about that in a second too. You know, movement. And I also, obviously, from preventing clots and, and other stuff, it's so important. So important. Well, yeah, the movement is literally the second part of hydration, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about. But I want to just mention one more thing. I mean, yeah. I have I have a whole bunch of airline stewardesses mm. that are my patients, and they all, you know, it's all word of mouth, so one sends the other. <laughs> and they all have read my book, and they come back to me, and they're, then they're all, they carry chia seeds. Oh, which, that's smart. We're going to get to that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Chia seeds that. are incredibly hydrating. If anybody has ever put you know, fluid to a chia seed, they know that they form a little gel, mm-hmm. jelly-like substance around it. That is incredibly hydrating. They're putting that in a lot of times. You see like yogurts on the, so you see it almost like, exp- oh, they make chia seed pudding. Pudding, which is made right. from not yogurt, but from like coconut milk. It right, looks like yogurt. Right. It gets it's really very thick. like sudsy kind of. It's so good. It's so, it's so yeah. easy to make. And it's really hydrating. It's I love nice that dessert. you brought up in the book that I wasn't born to run or whatever, yeah. that, you know, those um, in Tanzania, these populations where water could be scarce, yeah. that if they ate some of the chia seeds, I guess, grounded up, whatever, before they run, it just gave them the extra hydration they needed. Holds on to the fluid. Yeah, yeah they ran 50-mile really marathons, yeah, the Tarahumari tribes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about, if we can, a little bit, and then get some other things. that You mentioned three key principles of hydration, absorption. Water from food, I want to talk about, and movement. Yeah, okay. What would you like to say about absorption? What do, I just wasn't sure what you mean by that. Absorption okay. means the best way to get water intracellularly, So like you're saying you're, So you're saying just drinking it, you don't think, is the best way? Or? It's not necessarily the best way, no. Okay, so drinking water is good, but it's if important. you get it, but obviously <laughs> foods that retain water might even be better. Yes. Okay. The foods that you mentioned, well, then I should clarify this a little. I'd like to clarify this a little bit too. So, you know, so many people, when you think about drinking for a long time, you know, they, every every young kid, myself included, when I was watching sport events, saw Gatorade. Mm. You know, everybody, they're getting the Gatorade dump, you know, the, you know, yeah. the big, you know, advertisements and everybody's yeah. drinking Gatorade. I know for a while I was drinking tons of Gatorade. All I knew is that my weight was gaining and I, you know, I had a lot of other issues. Yeah. So um, you, look at a label. There is artificial coloring. Mm-hmm. There is so much sugar in there. There's all kinds of artificial ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, Gatorade is not is not a great way 
for those reasons alone. Right. There are now like literally almost daily new products that are coming out mm-hmm. that are much better sports drinks. We we do give an, a recipe in the book for a do-it-yourself sports drink, mm-hmm. which is yeah, basically – Yeah, I saw that. That was really good. Yeah, it's it's simple. It's like honey or maple syrup. Yeah, right, the natural uh, stuff. Yeah, water. How, how do you feel about the vitamin waters? You know, I know Jennifer Aniston and Tom Brady, all of them are advertising. Do you think it's still a little bit of a hype? Because I that, saw they're very low that doses. That brand? Yeah, because they, they put very low doses of some vitamins in. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't think they're good either. They're not like, much either, no, right? No, you got to look at the labels once again. Yeah. Some of them have artificial sweeteners. Yeah, even the vitamin right. waters do. Right, right, because they have to make it sweet, otherwise people aren't drinking yeah. them. You know, again, going back to what you said in the cover of your book, eight glasses a day is not necessarily the way. So let's talk about the water you can get in foods, Now, you, which was really great. And you had a, a list of your top hydrating vegetables and fruit. So, you know, the gist of the book is not about drinking more water. It's about eating your water. And there's a lot of scientists now talking about it. But one scientist in particular, Dr. Pollack, Gerald Pollack, he's out of University of Seattle, University Mm -hmm. of Washington, Seattle. Mm -hmm. And he has discovered, and this is where it gets really interesting, that there's a fourth phase of water, which when I first heard this, blew my mind. I know. This was new to me. (laughs) It literally blew my mind. You know, we have always known that water exists in three phases, liquid, ice, and vapor. Right. Right. And that's H2O. So now there is research that shows that there is a fourth phase of water, and we call it in the book gel water or Mm -hmm. structured water. Not every scientist agrees the chemical equation that Dr. Pollack thinks it is, but when you read his research, it's very compelling. Mm -hmm. He thinks it's H3O2, and and it basically is based on how those H2O molecules, how they layer upon each other, Mm -hmm. and and it's in that layering that they share electrons Mm -hmm. and and then form this H3O2, which is is an energized Mm -hmm. form of water. And so the idea is that it is in this form that's within our cells, and it's this form that's in the plant community, in plants. And so by eating more plants, you're getting more of this gel water, and it's getting into your cells better. That's that's the idea. So this is the key, really, that you would tell a patient that's saying, you know, I'm drinking... 10 glasses of water a day and I don't know, I don't feel great and this that too. You would say to them, look, maybe cut down to whatever, six glasses or whatever, but make sure, you know, because a lot of times you may, you may hear from certain people, you know, that they're eating all refined foods yeah. or things that have no water content in yeah. them. I mean, if that patient came to me, I would say to them, number one, start your day with a big glass of water. This is how desert people hydrate. They They start their day with a big glass of water, you know, front-loading your water, we mm. call it. I'll have them put a little pinch of sea salt in there so you'll get those electrolytes. It has to be real salt, not, mm-hmm. you know, table salt, which is just sodium. You want the minerals. You want rock salt or sea salt. Real salt is a brand that I use, uh, that I love. Mm. And and just the taste of it is so much better. Okay. And maybe a squeeze of lemon in the morning. So mm. that's number one. Do you think also because people get dehydrated through the night, obviously going, let's say they're sleeping eight hours and they're not drinking, is that... Well, so? it's not It's not only that. It, it's, it's during our sleep when we detoxify. It is only during our sleep when we are in a certain, I think it's delta wave sleep when we're right. in that sleep. It, that's when our body detoxifies, right. our brain detoxifies. I know you talked about that, which I thought was so important. I saw yeah. an article in Scientific America that it's like with all the lymph flow out of the brain, you know. It's so really... interesting, right? And so when we're detoxifying, we need fluid. We, yeah. You know, our body is right. getting trying to get rid of right. those toxins. The only way to do it is through fluid. And so that's one of the reasons our body is is at work at night and then you need to, you need to get rid of it mm. during the day. So then the other thing about going back to that patient would be have a green smoothie a day. Like, Mm. you know, if anybody listening doesn't, you know, is not interested, the one thing I ask patients is try it on. 
Try, yeah. try doing a green smoothie. Basically, all it is is some greens, whatever greens you choose. It could be spinach. It could be chard. It could be celery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to throw in a little chia seeds. You could throw in lemon. You can throw in ginger. You want to add water to it, mm-hmm. and you want to blend it up. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is what I call a green smoothie. It's different from a juice. A juice, you're extracting right. the fiber. You're, right. you're, you're getting rid of the fiber. Just, right. Just the liquid. Right. So this is greens. So you're keeping the fiber with water. And so I think it's something within that fiber and water that helps it absorb mm-hmm. better. Yeah. I think you were saying like, you know, even like obviously like different kind of lettuces because they, they also yeah. hold on to that gel state water yeah. a little better. Uh, people always get really excited when I say this too. So iceberg lettuce has always been thought to have zero nutritional right. value. Right, right, <laughs> It's one of the most hydrating foods. Really? Yeah. yeah. You could see it. If you look at a of piece course, of iceberg, yeah. you, you just, see you, the water you, you in it. You squeeze it like yeah. it's, you know. So people, it's the same thing with cucumbers. I've always liked cucumbers. Yeah. My wife knows this. <laughs> I go to restaurants and everybody's ordering, eating bread. Or I say, like, give me some slice of cucumber. And I get a little bit of this weird look, but I'm like, you know, it fills me up. Oh, so and, great. You I know, love that idea. Right. And then I just, you know, can eat my meal. I'm not, you know, I don't know. Like the bread is addicting. We all That's, know that. Um, yeah. I'm going to take that. I love yeah. it. I love it. But, you know, also cucumbers, look at the seeds. The yes. seeds have that gel around oh, it. Oh, okay. Right. You can so you, see it. <laughs> don't pick off the seeds. No, eat the seeds. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. And just as a list of the dehydrating foods, just to... I guess people should just be aware of obviously alcohol. Yeah. So I'm glad we're past New Year's. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Sugar. Sugar. You know, for is sure. the, the killer. We both yeah. see that in our practices. Grains, again, because there's no hydration in them. Yeah. You know, and cheeses and and people ask about coffee. I guess, you know, look, people are all people still like their coffee and well, I have something good to say about yeah. coffee. This is another one that people get really excited about. When we looked at the research, anything over four cups of coffee a day is mm. a diuretic. Yeah. Anything yeah, under four cups is not a diuretic. Okay. That's, so, a good, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. And so I drink a cup a day, mm-hmm. sometimes two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and I think it's fine. Yeah. All right. Good. I, there does, there's a lot of research. I mean, hopefully it's not sponsored by the coffee bean industry, but there's a right. lot of research that seems that it's really beneficial for... Yeah, there's some good antioxidant you know, benefits exactly. to good coffee. I yeah. think some of the problems with the coffee, though, is, yeah, where it's coming from. Yeah, of course, and what's know, how processed it, it is. Right, yeah. exactly. Another thing which I really liked, and I, I talk about this with my patients, but I'm so glad you mentioned in the book, was about movement mm. affecting hydration. And, you know, what I loved about in your book was that it wasn't like... You have to do this super workout with a trainer. You know, you show in the book about doing stretching exercises, which I like to do all the time because yeah. like you get stiff, you know, sitting in your chair all day and how this actually helps hydration. And you bring up something also, I think, which is so important about something called fascia. Yeah. And for listeners that don't know, I just mentioned that that's the tissue. We like to think of it as, I guess, the, the wrapping around our muscles. I mean, I guess we, we both have taken anatomy, so we know what it looks like. Although, I, again... We don't know any fasciologists. <laughs> you know, well, it's like it's not like a, it's not like a specialty, but it's, people are going to start to hear about fascia because yeah. it really is being very widely studied. You know, when we took anatomy, though, you would cut through the fascia right. and get rid of it. Right. You know, right. it's only ever been studied on dried, desiccated cadavers. We've never looked right. at it before right. until a few years ago. There is a brilliant French surgeon who decided to put a camera under the living skin of, of a person oh, wow. to study fascia. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend looking at the YouTube video. It's called oh. Living Fascia, and mm-hmm. his name is Guimberto, Dr. Guimberto. Mm-hmm. And what we see is that fascia, which surrounds every cell, every organ, it's this webbing, this network, mm-hmm. is actually a living system. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it transports fluid, mm-hmm. which is 
um, another mind-blowing thing for me when I first learned about that. We've only ever thought fluid gets transported by blood and lymph. So the idea of when we're sitting all day, yeah. we're literally squelching delivery of yeah. fluid to our periphery, to our feet. Mm, mm. So the idea of doing these simple, mm-hmm. you know, once again, sitting is the new the new smoking. Yeah, and that's what they say. we need to move. And this is yet one another reason of why we need to, to move and a very compelling reason. Fascia is so and it not only transports water, it's also an electrical system. And by the way, electric. This is where all the study of water. There was just a the most recent water symposium, which was in Sofia, Bulgaria, and everybody's talking about the electrical function of of water and fluid. So we all know that that water transmits electricity. Yeah, gel transmits it even better. You know, the other thing you brought up too, two things also about um, again when people can do some massages, go for a massage, do self massage again, getting that that circulation which we know. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I thought was very interesting because I've been hearing so much about it lately is about the infrared saunas and you know just uh, or steam rooms, you know, just yeah. anything that gets toxins out of the body. The infrared is interesting because that's really based on a lot of Dr. Pollock's research on the gel water and with any kind of light more gel water is actually made and infrared happens to create it even better, which brings up a whole thing. You know, the human body, there was just a, a, a recent article that humans need chlorophyll, which is greens. Mm, okay. We need sunlight yeah. and we need water to make energy. Um, very much like photosynthesis. Like yeah, so, yeah, interesting. <laughs> we are more like plants than we ever imagined. Yeah. And then the thing about the infrared is that it just it happens to push it further and make more gel now, water. Do people have to go to a place that has this? Can they get it for their home? And how long would you say they should do this for? Infrared saunas. There are places that exist. There's a couple places. I wish I had one in my office. I'm dying to get one. It's just New York real estate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so we'll talk to WeWorks. Maybe they could put that, that in. And, uh, that's a great idea. the ping pong table. That's a great idea. <laughs> it, but yeah, there's people. I, I actually have a little portable one at home that I think is very good. I think I paid $800 for it. It's like one of those. Do people like, again, I'm not familiar with Do they no. go in like, like in a bathing suit or something or do they... I mean, yeah, you, you can go to bathing suit. You can't go in your regular clothes. You'll be sweating like crazy, right? You can't yeah, no, you want to you go in a bathing suit or in, or in your underwear or right. nude if you're okay. at home. Right, okay. <laughs> and and how yeah. long would typically a patient or a person do? Like 20 minutes? Maybe? 20 minutes, a few times and a that's, week. And this will hopefully get at what, like heavy metals and other toxins. There is some research that yeah. um, heavy metals are, are brought out into your sweat. Okay. They've measured it. There's a, a doctor in in Canada... I'm going to forget his name right now, who's done a ton of research on infrared saunas and published research. There's there's a lot of research mm. about infrared. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It just it just seems, you know, it's interesting. A lot of, and you hear a lot of this from like athletes, you know, when sometimes like I'm a big studier of like the, the health programs of athletes, whether it's Tom Brady and Novak, yeah. Novak Djokovic, you know, the guys, elite athletes. And yeah. a lot of them seem to be doing all the things that you're mentioning here, you know, about obviously they're fortunate they can get massages. They're obviously hydrating a lot. Yeah. And a lot of them are doing you know, saunas or... Well, I totally agree. I also think, just once again, this book is written for the masses. Right. Any level will benefit from from this. And, you know, the hackers, biohackers, those kind of... It's not not everyday people that can do these kind of things. Mm -hmm. But I think that we can all glean some information from it. And just so you know, I mean, we are surrounded. Like, it's important to get sunlight every day on our bodies, on our skin. I tell my patients too, and you can. Even like your lunch break, you know, tell your boss, you you know, eat your lunch. And go. if you're fortunate if we get a sunny day in New York, which is not that often... (laughs) <laughs> go out there, go into the parks, get some, get some it green air, you know, fresh air. Yeah. All right, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. 
for some practical things. For our, now, how do you feel about, you know, because, again, people say, well, there's distilled water, there's spring water. And you mm-hmm. do talk about this in the book. And obviously, we know there's certain brands like Poland Spring or Fiji. Or you, do you, any particular yeah. recommendations that you like? Or I myself, I drink Pellegrino. I drink sparkling Pellegrino. Okay. That's my, my go-to okay. water that That's I drink. I just love it. It's, you know, it's what I, I like. We don't recommend any, we don't even recommend filters in the book. Which really? I, yeah, okay. we, which I think is important. You know, I think especially, you know, if you live in a place that has too much lead in your water, we recommend people go to EWG, the Environmental Working Group dot org, EWG dot org. They have a list of filters that by prices, like what could be affordable for you if you need to do that. So I don't. What I drink is I drink filtered. I use a Brita filter use a Brita. in my house. Mm-hmm. I think you know we're lucky. We do have New York water, which is actually good. very good water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also I eat my water, <laughs> I, right. you know. And you know, you said earlier, I was so proud of myself. I've gone all day without drinking. You know. Probably because you ate well that day that you realized you didn't need to. to I was just sometimes so busy or we were stressed. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but maybe. you're right. <laughs> you know, some days. You're right. If, I guess if you, if you do eat a good hydrating, you know, yeah, with, with fruits and berries good. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we don't, I don't tout any filters. I don't tout any specific waters. Um, although I do think, you know, from what, I, and I, I'm no expert, but I've heard bad things about Poland Springs, you know, I, I'm, really? I'm, I'm, but okay. I don't know. I'm not okay. sure. I don't want to I want to say one more thing, too, because I'm hearing this more, and some of it makes sense. And one of the people, actually, I respect a lot, uh, Ray Kurzweil, who's not a physician, but he writes a lot about futuristic medicine. other things. Well. You know, him? Yeah. Uh, I think he's a fascinating guy. Yeah. But he talks also about alkaline water. Yeah. And he feels it's really important. Yeah. I just want your take on that. Yeah, just, I think the jury is still out on that yeah. one. And I think I my personal opinion is I think it's going to be not debunked. not yeah, I think it's going to be debunked. What I do think is is going to come to light is hydrogen water. So hydrogenated water where hydrogen molecules are added to water and you'll really? start to see some of this. Now the hydrogen water there are some ones you can buy in the store that say hydrogen water. By that time the hydrogen gas is is out of the water. Mm-hmm. So it's not and the jury's still out on that one too, but I I do think there is some great re- better research about the hydrogen water. I don't think the alkaline water holds much play. And I love Ray Croswell. He's brilliant. He I know, is, right? I know he's, him personally. Do you really? Yeah. Wow. I, I used to work in Boston and he used to oh, come to my right, boss. Right. I think he's now at Google. Like he's head of like innovative yeah. medicine. I mean, I'd love to meet him one day because I think I read a couple of his books and brilliant. really fascinating how he had to take his health into his own hands, which is a little bit just as we're ending the show is that what we're really asking our listeners and I recommend to my patients, I said, you can get a lot of advice on the internet and hopefully you can have good access to doctors, but we're hoping to provide you here also with hopefully some of the best information that you can utilize in your everyday life. And Dane, I want to thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you want to mention or say? This was so much yeah. fun. Thank you for having me. All right. So I just want to remind our listeners, please, if you get a chance to get the book Quench, it's still available, I'm sure, in bookstores and, of course, online. And I think you'll really learn a tremendous amount from my friend and dear colleague, Dr. Dana Cohen. You can see me. My website is www.drdanacohen.com. And follow me on social media. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Smartest Doctor in the Room with host Dr. Dean Mitchell. You can continue this conversation on Instagram at DeanMitchellMD, Facebook at Mitchell Medical Group, or at deanmitchellmd.com. 